You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for May 7th, 2023, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Today's sermon was given by Jonathan Maresca. It's based on John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Our culture has a fascination with people's last words before they die. A classic young adult book, Looking for Alaska, by the renowned novelist and former divinity student, John Green, had an entire main character, Pudge, who was obsessed with people's famous last words. He would memorize famous last words, like the inventor Thomas Edison's, who said in his dying breath, it's very beautiful over there. Or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, with his last words being, this is the end, for me, the beginning of life. Or maybe the poet Dylan Thomas's last words. I've had 18 straight whiskeys. I do believe that's a record. <laughs> and the list goes on. I believe Pudge's inventory of all these people's last words are, for him, a doorway into the unknown. For him, they shine a light into the darkness of death and create a sense of certainty, clarity, and comfort for the great beyond. And I don't think Pudge is alone on this one. In our reading from John's Gospel today, we are dropped right into the middle of Jesus' famous last words as he awaits his arrest at the Last Supper table in the upper room with his disciples. For us Christians, I don't know if it gets any bigger than this. These are the last words of the one who we proclaim to be the Redeemer, our Savior, and possibly most of all, God in flesh and blood. I imagine the disciples hunched over, inclining their ears to every word of their rabbi in quiet desperation, longing for his clarity, certainty, and comfort. They are treasuring and not wanting to miss a beat of his word and wisdom. And Jesus, even in the rich poetics of John's gospel, is speaking plainly to his friends and his disciples. The question is, are we listening? These famous last words of Jesus are called the farewell discourses in New Testament scholarship. Stretching over four chapters and nearly a fifth of John's gospel, Jesus has to take the cake as having the longest lost words of all time. Perhaps most iconic within his last words is right in our gospel today. We all know it. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know when I heard this statement during my time with the gospel this past week, preparing for the sermon, I was reminded of all the times I've heard this exact passage 
use to exclude, myself even included, I've struggled with this passage. What does it mean to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Is it only through Jesus that we can encounter God? Yet, if we just look a few sentences before our gospel begins today, the way, the truth, and the life becomes cast in an entirely different light. Remember, Jesus begins his teaching sitting with his closest friends in the upper room. Judas has just left the room to go and betray him, and Jesus leans his head in to speak in a pressing yet tender tone. To open his farewell discourse, his words, his final words to us begin with this. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. He's, he says this not once, not twice, but three times. He repeats, love one another, love one another, and have love for one another. Knowing the preciousness of these last moments, he, like many of our loved ones, distills to the core what he wants us to know. Love. By God's love for humanity and in the Incarnation, he came into this world, raised by the love of his mother, Mary. Led into the waters of the Jordan, he surrendered to the love of the Father by the Spirit and was called Beloved. Day after day, he freely, indiscriminately, and unconditionally shared this love with everyone who came his way. Actions speak louder than words, and it seems almost silly that Jesus even has to say the words that we hear him saying today. Yet he does. And you know why he does? Because God's love is persistent. And we, despite our greatest intentions, never seem to get the point. Like all of us, fear and forgetfulness overtake the disciples. Just a few verses after Jesus offers us this love command, the disciples yet again lose sight of God's love. They hear Jesus speaking of the place he is going, his glorification, his crucifixion and resurrection, and alarm bells start ringing. Like Pudge in Looking for Alaska, they fearfully sense the unknown of Jesus' death, and they cling for certainty, clarity, and comfort, for something to hold on to. Thomas's voice cracks as he says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How then do we know the way to you? Philip is likely pleading on his knees to his Lord, show us cold, hard proof of God. That's all we are asking for. Earlier, Peter, always a bit too eager, asks, Lord, why can't I follow you to your death right now? 
I'm ready. I know I am. The disciples, like all of us, are all about destinations. We want answers, and we want them now. Jesus, however, is about the journey. Jesus shows us the way of love. Jesus teaches the way of love. Jesus is even the way of love in his very body. The journey or the way reveals the destination, not the other way around. I see Jesus at this point stable and unshaken. Telling his disciples and all of us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says. I am the way. Look to me. Look to the life that we've just shared together after all these years, maybe shaking their shoulders. Look at the love that we have given this world. Look at the miracles and the healings before us. This way, this way of love is the way. I am the truth. Look to my body. I am God. Fully realized and real in time and space in human form. This truth of love is the way. I am the life, the eternal spring of life that has loved you into being and will never run dry. This life of love is the way. This way, this truth, and this life. Is the way of love that reaches to the heartbeat of God, the Father of all. Jesus said that we know this way. I, I believe we do. It's the makeup of life's very moments. We all know it, whether in those highest highs of joy or the lowest lows of sorrow, when we are met by another in love. That's the way. And that way, as we know, is messy. It doesn't mean perfection. Jesus doesn't say, "I am perfection. Go be perfection." Love doesn't mean perfection. Even more, love comes alive and works through our imperfection. When we allow God's love to be enacted in the here and now, we get a glimpse into just what the reign of God looks like here on earth. The here becomes the hereafter, and the now becomes the not yet. The way becomes the destination. Over these nine months, you have each been. Companions with me on this way. The love of the eighth graders' endlessly curious confirmation questions. Questions like, "Was Mary really 14 years old when she was pregnant with Jesus? Did God really have her consent for that?" It's a really fair question. I wish I had eighth graders with me in、uh, seminary. <laughs> the love of the Wednesday Eucharist faithful, who watched me stumble my way through homilies, even one time forgetting the Lord's Prayer mid-sermon, and picked me right back up on my feet through an otherworldly grace.
the love of a clergy team who somehow gave me more from an already full plate to an eager and curious seeker. Looking before me at the faces of each one of you, I see this way of love being lived out. While the urge for clarity, certainty, and comfort will always be there from the first century to the 21st and beyond, I pray that we will always take risks to love, to reach out to one another in a time of need, to share our love with those around us who may look, speak, act, or even believe differently from us, to greet our neighbors inside these church walls and outside these church walls with that same love, like we have a chance to do this Saturday at Mayfair. To be inspired and transformed by our Lord who loved more indiscriminately, more unconditionally, and more freely than anyone could imagine. This love at St. Mark's has forever imprinted on my own ministry. St. Mark's is the place of my first ministry placement. My first sermon was right here. My first time leading a confirmation class. My first time preaching at an elder care home. My first time being a seminary and intern in general. My first time being loved into being as a priest. That's a priest in training and a first time that will stay with me and sustain me through the challenges and celebrations of ordained life. It is that same love that Jesus shared with his disciples that I've encountered here. Truly then, it is the love of Christ, the love of Christ's body right here, coming alive, marked as an example to the world of a new way of being, a way that shares, a way that saves, and a way that sustains. Then, as Jesus said, the world might know that we are Christ's disciples. Amen. can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.